0: Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Green. We've seen a significant uptick in focus and activities in the art world throughout Asia over the last few years. This hasn't been limited to just Hong Kong or mainland China, though. And in fact, most of the interest in the last year or so has been on other markets within Asia, such as Seoul or Singapore, where we've seen interesting and exciting art fairs emerge. This has been the case because of several reasons which we'll explore today, including the fact that China's restrictive COVID travel policy has insulated the Chinese art market from the broader economy and art market. But we wanted to get an update on what exactly is happening in China at the moment and how things are looking moving forward. So in this week's episode of the podcast, we chat with Enid Choi, who's based there in Hong Kong. She's the arts editor at the South China Morning Post. She chats with us about all these topics. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Ian, thanks so much for coming on and joining us from Hong Kong. My pleasure. So for those of us not based in Hong Kong and mainland China, It seems like things have felt very insulated there the last few years with the extreme COVID travel restrictions. And as a result for the art world, we've seen a lot of Chinese collectors, Chinese galleries having missed out on participating or attending art fairs and auctions and other events. And also galleries outside of China have really not had as much of a presence there the last couple of years. How has all of this impacted the art market there?
1: All things considered, there's a lot of good art still being made and the markets have largely held up. But it's been such a sad time and, and a surreal one when it's it was in virtually impossible for anyone to travel in and out of Hong Kong and China um, without great difficulty for nearly three years. So for for Hong Kong, where I'm based, even to cross over the border to China or you know, what we call mainland China, um. There were horrible quarantine and testing procedures, so most people didn't. Right, And we are the same country. (laughs) And like everywhere else, exhibitions were cancelled, museums were shut for long periods, and there were variations in the level of lockdown experience in different cities. So in Hong Kong, because it's semi-autonomous, the city could set its own pandemic rules and never went into full lockdown. Like um, we saw in um, major mainland Chinese cities like Beijing and Shanghai, so commercial galleries here stayed open more or less uninterrupted, and uh, many of them um, focused on works by local artists. I mean, like we've seen around the world, the pandemic was a was a time of uh, for introspection and a time to reconnect with your local community because we were all stuck together, and for a small place um, like Hong Kong um, that's the sense of community was really strong um, among the art community and also in this city a whole new political landscape has emerged and it has changed the way of life for many people and it's been you know after the 2019 protests and the subsequent introduction of a new national security law. It's been a time to, to lick wounds, to, to reflect or to move on. And a lot of local art reflects that. So maybe that's why more people have been looking at art and buying art. Um, when the only holidays were staycations, galleries had a lot more footfall. And even people who never bought art before uh, did, i was told that because you know eating out um or you know social gatherings in restaurants wasn't easy with all the social distancing rules home entertainment became more popular and people cared more about what they had on their walls <laughs> and then there's the uh, embrace of nfts in 2021 there were a lot of crypto firms in hong kong at one point before the government tightened regulations so the now infamous FTX was founded here, and it spurred the arrival of a new uh, digital art fair, NFT auctions by Christie's and Sotheby's, new galleries that jumped on the craze, um, and um, and then the auctions market. I mean, I think even the auction houses here were surprised by how um, the auction sales were so resilient during the pandemic. Um, a lot of the action was online, very international. Um, Christie's Hong Kong sold uh, 835 million US dollars in 2022, the third highest um, on record, um, and exceeding pre-pandemic levels. Sotheby's Asia sold 1.1 billion US dollars, matching its 2021 all-time high. Um, and, And all this is just as well, since there are major expansion plans here. Um, and the pandemic didn't stop new institutions from opening in Hong Kong or um, in mainland China. In in Shanghai, we saw the opening of UCCA Edge. Um, and of course, in Hong Kong, M Plus Museum finally opened. And it was certainly one of the most anticipated uh, museum um, openings in the world. Um, Um, And um, new local galleries have emerged, but the growth in international galleries opening here, well, it basically came to a halt. Certainly because of the fact that people had to quarantine for weeks when they arrived at one stage and you could be taken to awful government facilities if you tested positive. Um, And um, China and Hong Kong are at least a year behind many other cities in dropping pandemic restrictions. And then another major problem, I think, for Hong Kong is an acute brain drain. Uh, That's being felt in every sector. And in art, the most important people are leaving. The artists, curators, museum specialists. Because what used to be one of the most free cities in Asia now has a new censorship regime and people are being detained or jailed under a new national security law. And also a lot of expat families have moved away in the last three years because of the quarantine requirements. It's been a really tough time, and yet tough times often create good art. And so um, it's still a very dynamic art scene, but with major worries ahead.
0: Well, you touched on a lot of different areas that I want to dig into further with you. We've seen significant expansion in the art world, in Singapore, and Seoul, and other places in Asia, but outside of China. Do you think the political environment, as well as the COVID travel policies in China, has anything to do with this investment in Asia happening outside of China? Or was this inevitably going to happen anyways?
1: I think it's both. Uh the Asian demand for art has grown enormously. And um, so the fact that auction houses are returning after many, many years to Southeast Asia, having sales in Singapore, for example, um, would make sense anyway, um, because places like Indonesia it's a massive economy with a lot of collectors um but i think what's changed is how centralized a lot of the um the art market was in hong kong which was the beachhead for tapping into this regional demand and um actually i mean even china i mean in, even in mainland chinese cities like shanghai was attracting Western galleries. Like, uh, listen, it didn't open in Hong Kong. Of course, with the 1.4 billion people in China, Chinese cities will continue to be big markets. And um, Sotheby's has recently announced a new Shanghai headquarters. But the political reality, um, the restrictions and the seeming Uh, frowning upon on the flaunting of wealth in China under President Xi Jinping's common prosperity um, strategy um, is making people fearful. And that's why we've seen all those family offices being set up in Singapore recently. Um, I mean, in China and Hong Kong, it's not as if we've seen a sudden big wave of closures of galleries. It's just that the new ones are not coming in. So for example, Lim um, Lim Open having closed their Hong Kong gallery um, space uh, a couple of years ago, they've moved to a big, beautiful space in Seoul, but it's still on the lookout for a new space in Hong Kong. But um, I mean, Hong Kong is very small and there's not a lot of space here. Meanwhile, you have, Seoul, one of the most mature, uh, wealthy contemporary art markets in Asia, uh, where freeze is now happening. Um, it has lots more space for nice galleries, and like Hong Kong, no tax on art, and um, it has the political stability that I think people um don't see in a place like Hong Kong. And Singapore, it you know it used to be quite. It used to be considered quite dull, but you know, after all the trauma of the past few years of COVID and everything, you know, it's 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 a really nice place to be. And of course, Singaporeans say to Hong Kongers like me, Well, you lot you used to have a big advantage over us, i.e., freedom of expression, and now you don't. And um so there's all that happening. And it's um it's it's I think I think people when they when collectors travel around the world I mean there's so many art fairs there's so many new art hubs emerging um they want to go to places that are that are cool right you want to go where where, where it's exciting and um and I think with all the sort of the negative things that have happened in uh, Hong Kong and China in recent years uh, we we need to, the onus is on, on us to lure people back.
0: And in the U.S. and Europe, the art market is still strong, I believe. But as we start 2023, there's a lot of discussion about a potential softening in the art market in really the broader economy later this year. In Hong Kong and mainland China, how is the art market at the moment? And is there any talk about a potential softening maybe occurring later this year?
1: I mean, we have seen amazing sales over the last few years. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, Christie's and Sotheby's have have seen all-time highs or or, or you know or or, or record near-record levels. But the last set of auctions in the autumn here um, in Hong Kong were mixed. So. There were big ticket items that couldn't find buyers and, um, and, and nobody is expecting a miraculous e- recovery in the economy. It's interesting that because the borders with mainland China reopened on January 8th of this year, um, a lot of people were hoping to see um, a lot of um, mainland Chinese tourists flocking back. That has not happened. The forecast for China's GDP growth is, I think, the most optimistic forecast, expects it to be below 5%. There's a lot of concern that China, even though its GDP forecast for 2023, is not bad. I mean, people are expecting growth to be as high as 4.9%, but because the Xi Jinping, sorry, but because there seems to be a discouragement um, on people to flaunt their wealth, um, there are concerns that people are not going to buy, you know, big crazy items um, to show off anymore. So in the past. There would be a lot of demand for like um, what Qing Dynasty emperors used, um, you know, their chairs or their, um, their, their, their jade stamps. Um, not sure if people are that keen to buy those things anymore. And, um, and the economy is suffering after three years of draconian zero COVID policy. Uh, there have been rumors that private museums in China have put collections on the market. I mean, I haven't confirmed the veracity of these claims, but considering um, the economy and how you know the manufacturing sector has really suffered, it wouldn't be surprising. I also want to
0: ask you about private museums in China because it feels like, in particular during the pandemic, they have emerged as very serious buyers of contemporary art, hosting exhibitions by contemporary artists. A lot of collectors become frustrated outside of China. They try to get access to works on the primary market. Galleries say, oh sorry, this work or that work has sold to a private museum in China. So it's something that's becoming a topic of conversation with more regularity in the last year or two. How important are these private museums in China in terms of serving the broader public as cultural institutions? And what are the roles exactly in the art ecosystem in China?
1: Well, to be honest, I haven't been to many of those either because I haven't been able to enter mainland China for the last three years um, but yeah I guess the, a lot a the, lot of the them work. are relatively new, yeah, and so what do they have in that well, not a lot of information, and people who have visited say that the quality remains very mixed or you know a lot of empty space um there's some uh, really, um, excellent ones. Um, you know, of course, we've still got the big, well-established ones like Long Museums, um, but um, um among the new ones, I think um, like Deji Art Museum has in in Nanjing has a good reputation, um, and um, her museum in Guangdong Province also, um, but it's not. Clear that we're going to see the same rate of growth. And um and like I said earlier, um there are rumors that some of these private museums are putting their collections on the market just because of the, the, the bad state of the economy. Um so it's interesting that speaking to gallerists in um in in, in Hong Kong, um they've they tell me that the, the, their client mix has shifted over the last few years. So before, yes, a lot of buying from from China or, or Chinese private museums, but now it's because now it's become a lot more diverse. So a lot of very strong demand from places like South Korea and Taiwan, for example.
0: And so if we look ahead to Art Basel, Hong Kong, which is still a few months away, but with travel restrictions lifted there, it seems like a lot of galleries that are based in the US and Europe and other parts of the world are excited to attend and not have to deal with any quarantine restrictions and haven't really been in Hong Kong in a few years. What's the anticipation like there? Is there an expectation that the fair may return to a close to normal pre-COVID
1: time? There is a great deal of excitement about Art Basel this year because it's so important. Um, Art Basel has continued in Hong Kong during the pandemic, but um, obviously with um, very few overseas galleries actually sending their staff here, let alone artists, and the scale was much smaller. This year, there will be 177 galleries, um, which is a um, big increase from last year. But before the pandemic, we had 242 galleries. So it means nearly a third um, have not come back this year. And um, I mean, if you look at ArtSG in Singapore, um, which I um, recently attended, Okay, it's a lot less selective than Art Basel, but it had 160 booths. So before you could see, you could, you could comfortably, I mean, before you could confidently describe Art Basel Hong Kong as the region's biggest art fair and so on. Well, 177 is not that much more than 160. Uh, Art Basel is really aware that it has to put on a good show. It has new leadership. um, um, Adeline Wee, who was the uh, director of the Hong Kong Fair for many years, um, she, she remains the Asia director, um, but um, she will focus on um, the development of Art Basel's other initiatives in the region. And um, and um, it's, it's going to be a time to show the world that Hong Kong is still a good place um, to see good art um, because there is this you know, new climate of um, censorship. And, um, and people are not, I think, speaking to galleries in the US and Europe, a lot of people are fearful that um, if there is one positive COVID case, um, they might shut down the fair like they did in Shanghai last year. I mean, in Hong Kong, that seems inconceivable. But that is the impression people have of Hong Kong and what might happen. Um, so Hong Kong has a lot to prove. And, um, and, and, and I think um, that from what I've heard so far, there will be some really good exhibitions around town um, during that week.
0: Well, we'll certainly be following along with anticipation to see how the fair goes this year. Enid, thanks so much again for coming onto the podcast and sharing your really incredible perspective on just everything going on in the art market in mainland China and Hong Kong. If our listeners don't read your writings already, we definitely recommend that they do. And you're also on social media, often talking about the art market there. Where can we find you? At Enid
1: Cho, E-N-I-D-T-S-U-I. Great. Thanks again. Thank you.